Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Joanna Fortune joins us uh, once again. Afternoon, Joanna. Good afternoon. Uh, first question is this. My daughter is four in June. She does not really talk uh, still at this stage. A few words here and there, but still no sentences and no progress really at all. She has no interest in toys in other kids, even in her own family. She will play with a stick for hours, but won't play with her toys. She doesn't look at any of us at all and seems completely uninterested in trying to communicate. My wife keeps on saying it's just a language thing and she will catch up. But I think uh, there might be more to it. She will do things like lick the TV too. Anytime I bring it up, I'm shut down straight away. What could the issue be here and what should I do? I mean, mm. I feel when when you're reading that, that the this parent has a specific worry and a specific yeah, question yeah. in mind and, you know, might understandably be quite scared. I don't want to say that out loud because I don't know what sure, that means. Yeah. And, you know, but I actually do hear you have a specific question and no more than if children have a specific question. When we adults do too, the best thing to do is go and get it answered yeah, one yeah. way or another, if only so that you can rule something in or out or be reassured by it. Um I, I think, you know, what what your wife is saying about it's just a language thing. Do you know what? Maybe it is. But even that needs to be seen at this stage. You know, like and certainly you could be told by a speech and language therapist, oh, you know, it's this or it's that. And here's a few practical things that you can do. And, you know, but getting it seen to is something yeah. at this stage. The other thing to hold in mind, Sean, and I, I this age group, I'm hearing a lot of developmental questions and things like that in the, this age group have likely not had their three year old developmental checks done because of COVID and the way things were going. And, you know, really, it was put to parents that if you have specific concerns, reach out to us, but we won't be able yeah. to resource wise see every single child as standard as would have been the way historically at two years old and three years old. So I think you do have enough concerns here to warrant reaching out to the public health nurse um, in your health centre. It might be the public health nurse or an area medical officer who does those checks. But I think you could ask for your daughter to be seen for what would have been her three year old developmental check even now. if only to rule in or out anything. But I just think, you know, I'm, I, I, when you say what could the issue be, I have no idea because you couldn't possibly make a, a, an assessment a or a guess. On that. Yeah, of I course, wouldn't even yeah. do you the, the disservice of guessing or putting any terminology in your head. But what I am hearing is you have a specific question. Go get that looked at and answered. Yeah. My guess would be as well that. Well, this obviously is from the father. The father is thinking it might be X, Y or Z. Yeah. That at the same time, I think maybe the mother might also be thinking it's X, Y and Z might be in a wee bit of I, denial I think, there. That might be a I difficult conversation. hit the nail on the head, you know, and I think, you know, be aware, be sensitive and be, you know, as much as you can be responsive to mum's resistance to go any further mm. with this or to need to minimise it. Because perhaps you are both worried about the same thing, but manifesting it differently. Yeah, yeah, I'd say that's pr- pretty much the uh, the case there. I want to ask about a problem that surely affects every parent out there, but which, strangely enough, I've never heard discussed, and this is giddiness. I was a very giddy child, and I now have two extremely giddy children, a boy six and a girl eight and a half. While it is nice to see them having fun and getting on well together, there are times when it makes leaving the house or getting through dinner impossible in terms of keeping my cool and feeling completely deregulated. Uh, 
<laughs> I thought giddiness had gone out of fashion. That was the thing in the seventies. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they go on. While we've all been here, when we're getting uh, on so well uh, with your best pal, can you choose to ignore the world around you for a while? But in parenting terms, how do I handle this? How do I intervene effectively to get their attention and break the giddiness <laughs> spell? It can often spiral out of control into accidents and can overrun into horseplay that ends up causing arguments, sometimes quite ugly between them. My instinct is telling them there's something more going on here, perhaps is to do with a lack of organisation on my part or something else I'm doing wrong. Do I need to give them more responsibility in the home, for example? I mean, there's so many questions in here and they are linked or they overlap a bit, but some of them are separate. And there's I mean, I love the word giddy. I I really don't Mm -hmm. think we hear this word enough. But what you're I suppose what you're describing, because I don't want to minimise this because I don't think someone would take the time to write in and go, my kids are enjoying each other greatly and they're giddy little kids having fun. This Mm. is not a concern. But giddy can cross into overactive. And I'm wondering if that's the tipping point that is at the crux of this letter, that my children are overactive to the point of hyper aroused and highly yeah. dysregulated and then it's sounding over dinner that you're all just tossing a hot potato of dysregulation between you so that everybody feels a bit disorganised and chaotic and dysregulated um, because really at the age they're at they're looking to you to co-regulate them but own what is happening for yourself because you, you name yourself as having been a giddy child and now you're wondering if you your own lack of organisation is a part of this so there's, well, do you have a lack of organisation? Mm. You know, I, I, I don't want to make that assumption. If you think, yes, I do, I'm, I'm quite giddy and disorganised as a person. Knowing that about yourself is is great. Doing something about it is harder. But if you are disorganised and a little chaotic, your children are taking their social, emotional, behavioural cues from you. So they're going, yeah, it's OK, everything goes. And then you're trying to get out of the house going, oh, actually now, now this second. <laughs> yes. And they're not with you at that. They don't move that quick. So I think, you know, and again, when you're talking about how, you know, they're they're having great fun and, they're you know, the horse play can quickly become, you mm. know, not so horse play and just, you know, <laughs> rough play. It's like the old rough and tumble becomes rough. But play is a great example of how an experience that is rooted in safety and regulation blends with activation and mobilization. You know, it's safe, it's fun, but it's up and get, go, get, go, get, go, get. But that activation and mobilization can then get hyper aroused. Yeah. And it takes over from the safety and regulation of the experience. And that's when we see horseplay become rough. And I suppose, and probably maybe every parent listening has experienced this, it's hard to know when to the exact moment, even when you see the arc going up and you're going, ah, they're enjoying themselves, but you need to, you need to nip it at some point. It's usually 30 seconds before you saw it. Yes. Uh, And because at some point at which they're so involved in what they're doing, what you say has no effect at all. Uh, Absolutely. But it's also why, you know, you can go, this is great. This is great. Okay, you guys, now we're going to do. And you want to, because they won't reach you. You know, I think sometimes when our children are excited, Excitable, giddy is such a good word when they're giddy and they're up there and they're hyper aroused and we come in and we oh we'd love you to calm down and I'm speaking like this in a low voice it's not landing I have to meet them where they're at and bring them down with me that's the art of co-regulation and it is an art it does take practice and you're in sync and out of sync and most of the time you're just trying to get back into sync with them it is that kind of process or that dance of attunement that we all have to work on I think with this parent though structure is going to be your friend and a good sound timer you know one of those te- five, you can get them in all kinds you can get 5, 10, 15 minutes I like a good 10 to 15 minute one because 5 minutes goes so quick um, but that gives enough time to say hey when all the sand hits the bottom 
into the car, when all the sand hits the bottom, toys in the baskets out at the table, mm. when it allows you to pin it on something. They get to see their time going rather than it happening to them and they are regulated by that. Um, again, now it's not like they're going to take to this ducks to water the first time because you're trying to put some structure into a system that sounds a little bit chaotic at the moment. Planning and praising is also a really good way and that means clear expectations and spotlighting the behaviour you do want to see. So not saying, come on, let's get going. That's very vague, especially for children. What Mm. does that mean? I want you to pick up your toys and put them away and then I want you to find your shoes. That's enough. When they found the shoes, then add on another two tasks. Don't flood them with this, 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 that you've lost them already. Um, And ensure that there are waves of activity in their day because these are high energy children, which is great. But they need a lot of outlet for that. So you want waves of mild, moderate and high level of stimulation, tons of outdoor time, as much of it as you can get Mm. so that they can burn off that energy with that. Also, you know, I've spoken before about, you know, using music to dance the moodies away. I'm going to kind of repurpose that as dance the giddies away for this one. Now, when your children are hyper aroused and you want to put on like a upbeat song and they can wild and wacky flail the limbs, spin around, have a great little dance. With, with that level of stimulation, your second song is going to be a slower paced one. And now we're going to dance like leaves in the wind, mm. really soft, really slow. And I'm co-regulating you through the music because rhythm and synchrony are such a great way to trigger the subsystems of the brain associated with emotional regulation. So the music is doing the job for you, but you don't want them, you know, hammering out some dance beats and then saying bedtime everybody because <laughs> that's not going to work for you either. So it is a bit of trial and error. It is totally about embracing structure but sitting down and making a plan like I'm talking about plan and praise clear expectations for the children. Start with yourself. Mm. What is it that I want? What small changes will make big differences here? Have I been clear? And when you say, you know, do you want to give them more responsibility at home? Absolutely, yes. But that's not the cure for giddiness. Mm. Just to kind of emphasize there, I mean, at six and eight, you can absolutely give them chores and tasks and responsibilities at home. And some of those should be standard and not something they're particularly rewarded for. And they can always do over and above tasks to, you know, earn pocket money or whatever way you want to incentivize that. But you can do that. But I don't know that I'd start with that. I think I'd try and get the structure in place first. And then when they are more co-regulated with you, then put in the chores and responsibilities. Yeah. Uh, Dee says, my kids are giddy like that too. I try to let them use up their energy as much as possible Mm. so that they're more tired by the evening. What uh, I find uh, most handy is I time them for two minutes with my phone and tell them they can jump up and down and scream and do whatever they want as the timer ticks down. When the time's up, they have to obey the rules. It's the same kind of principle. You know, the only thing with a timer is that two minutes might as well be two weeks to young kids. Like it's a very abstract notion, the whole thing of time. But if you've got a visual timer, they see the time going and they know it's running out soon. Um, The the parent with the giddy kids, don't blame yourself for your parenting skills. What did your parents do to calm you down as a child when you were giddy? Mm. (laughs) A lot of people might think I don't want to go. I don't (laughs) want to do what my parents did. Uh, Bring your own experience (laughs) to the situation, says Colm. Ashling on Twitter says, haven't heard giddy for ages. Story of my life in school. You're a giddy goat, Ashling. You still are, Ashling, a giddy goat. (laughs) I wonder now, was that, I always have the impression giddy was aimed at girls rather than boys. 
Yeah, no, that's a good point. I do yeah. remember giddy goat as a phrase in school yeah. as well, actually. But yeah, I yeah, let's bring back giddy. It's a good word. It is not a bad word at all now. Uh, right. We had a bad experience uh, with my seven year old daughter at her first COVID, uh, COVID vaccine appointment recently. She ultimately got the vaccine and did her five year old brother. But it was a very stressful experience for her and for us, us parents and the poor vaccinator. I'm now dreading the second dose and wondering how on earth to navigate it. I had told her a couple of weeks ago that it was coming up, told her the day before that it was happening and promised her favourite fast food meal afterwards. We talked about what would happen and she knows the reasons why we're all getting vaccinated. The staff at the vaccination centre were fantastic, but in the time beforehand at the centre, she was nervous, anxious, didn't want to attend and got extremely upset when in the cubicle. Screeching and crying, we had a recent similar experience with the dentist, but previous visits had been fine. I'm worried that this is going to become a problem for any future medical appointments, how can I help prepare her for the second dose and avoid future negative impact from this experience? I didn't know children were getting two doses. Yeah, yeah, I did hear that. Oh, did yeah. You? yeah. But and I think that's isn't that part of it that the worry is okay, we did it, but we have to do it again. Yeah, so there's yes. an air of anticipation <laughs> about it. And you know, don't worry about the vaccinator. I'm sure anyone who d- gives any kind oh, of vaccination would tell you, look, we've seen this, we know, and they don't mind. Mm. I think they just want it as comfortable as possible. And you know, at by seven, she's probably had other vaccinations along the way, but there's been a number of years since the last one, and she may well have forgotten. I think they're about five when they get, mm. you know. An another one but it's still a while away and there's also the bit of you know queuing to go in cubicles lots of people there's a lot of anticipation that leads up to this that might be part of what's made this a more difficult situation for her I mean you've done a lot of the right things you know talk about it I will always say absolutely talk about it and prepare children for a medical visit of any kind anything like this but don't over talk it either it's that balance between I want you to know it's coming up so I'm not springing it on you but at the same time I want don't want to talk it into a hyped up situation either and I think at her age as well I would talking is part of it but when we're aroused by fear or anxiety or worry or anticipation we tend to be in what we call a flipped lid state you know you kind of flip your lid a bit (laughs) and when that happens that reasoning logical rational part of our brain the neocortex is really offline and it's that emotional limbic amygdala area that's calling the shots for us so words alone won't always get there I hear you talking and all I hear is you heard vaccination, vaccination, vaccination. Yeah, and that's yeah. the one I'm ruminating on. So as well as talking about it and more than talking about it, play it out because young children do communication more than they speak it. So I would play it out with dolls or, you know, the little mini characters play out the whole scenario or you could, you know, have your little dolls and she could be the vaccinator, give her a position of power and control and how and make sure you have a medical play set. They're good to have, even if there aren't medical appointments mm, coming yeah. up, by the way. It's a way of normalising and familiarising children with the various equipments they're likely to see when they're in a doctor's or a dentist's office. So play it out, role play it out and do a little, not a lot, but a little of that every day in the week coming up to it just so that she can anticipate that's what this is that's what that is I think I'd acknowledge and validate her fear don't minimise it don't dismiss it there's nothing to worry about because actually that doesn't reassure it doesn't reassure anybody to have your fears dismissed it just says don't bring those fears to me so wonder when you're saying look I know you're worried about it and you really don't like it you were very uncomfortable the last time so how could I 
make this a bit easier for you? You're not saying it's not going to happen, but how could I make it easier? And see, does she have her own ideas? Like she could bring a squeezy thing, you know, like a fidget toy, a little sensory squeezy thing with her. She can go in and immediately turn herself so she's looking towards you. You're down at her level. You can hold her hands. She can squeeze your hand, close her eyes and together count backwards from 10 or 5 would probably do it, but give it 10 um, Mm. backwards. And by the time you hit zero, it's all done and dusted. Yeah. So you can plan that out with her. This is what we're going to do and practice it and then try it. I'm not saying it's going to mean it's going to be plain sailing because she may just not like this. Mm. And if she says it's going to hurt, don't say no, it won't, because it might. And say, yeah, "Yeah, it will. It's likely to be a little pinch, that kind of a hurt, not a long hurt, not a big one, but a small pinch one. And I'd have something fun like a kid's ice pack. You know, you can get them with the little characters on them, ready to go in the car to put on her arm afterwards, make a bit of a fuss and lots of nurture and the kind of things that you've suggested, a bit of a treat afterwards. Yeah. The, I, I often wonder as well is because oftentimes when people where they previously might have got vaccination shots, it would have been in the school or yes. in the doctors. But as in many of these COVID situations, you're going to these big places. And there's loads of people. And there's loads and- of people. And that's kind of scary. And Uh, all it takes is maybe another child is a bit wobbly or upset or somebody else is around you or you've waited just that minute too long and you're like, it's fine a minute ago. Now I'm not. We've no control over that really at the moment. So, yeah, Yeah, I think but I think for the kids vaccinations, they do seem to make a point of trying to get them through as quickly as possible for for precisely that reason. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I would have thought. Uh, Right. We do have to take a break. You are listening to the Moncrief show on uh, News Talk. Uh, As usual, if you do have a question for Joanna, you can send it into afternoon at News Talk. Com. Coming up after the break, uh, a question that has, has puzzled the ages. How do you motivate a teenager? 53106 is our text number that will cost you 30 cents. Joanna Fortune is still with us. My son is very independent. He resists adv- advice and help and sees it as a weakness, in fact. He leaves everything to the last minute and is disorganised. I praise any positive effort, but I am so frustrated. He leans towards negative comments, just answers yes to everything and limits his interactions. This week, when he did spend time planning his college admission procedure, uh, I asked him why he leaves everything to the last minute, pointing out all the disadvantages. He replied that he knows it will be fine. I explained that it will not be fine, e.g. my mental health is suffering. He agreed, yes. Again, the worst that will happen is that he won't get into college. My husband thinks that he hasn't shown enough maturity for the privilege to go away to study. I agree. But there's also a good deal of my own ambitions for him driving my stress. He is responsible for choices he makes, but the general leaving sort merry-go-round makes me feel as if somehow it's my fault for not raising him with better skills. He was a reliable young boy who at 12 literally turned into Harry Enfield's (laughs) Kevin with his vague approach to life. I couldn't reach him anymore. It's brutal and he remains needing consequences to teach him. I see that he's very committed to stuff he wants to do, his team, his weightlifting, learning to drive. But my own struggles around this are life diminishing. I should cognitively take control of my reaction to this situation. But internally, the message is not getting through. Oh, this is a really exhausted parent. And I think, you know, while you're writing about concerns about your son and motivation, and certainly we can have a look at some of that, what really comes out very loudly here is as a parent, your own anxiety is is what's dominating, not your son's behaviour. And I'm going to start by really emphasizing that that is something you really do owe it to yourself 
and your son if you want if you want to think of it that way but you matter as well um, consider talking with a psychotherapist your GP can refer you to somebody or you know you there may be somebody in your area but I really would consider doing that for yourself because the stress is just like when I hear words like life diminishing mm, and yeah. you know my mental health is impacted by his college applications things like that and I think as well what I, I'm going to talk around a little bit is the focus here needs to move away from the Leaving Cert results in college because he has his whole life actually to work that out um, and uh, you know focus on strengthening your emotional connection with him and shift the focus away from behavioural correction. Yeah. You know, because yeah. I think there's a little bit in here, Sean, when you're reading that, that just sounds like I keep trying to fix him and he's not a problem to be fixed. And what I'm also hearing is, you know, he leaves things till the last minute. He's disorganised. But when you say, why do you do this? He says, because it'll be fine. And you're saying, but it won't be fine. His lived experiences, it has been fine because you jump in and you rescue him and yeah. you do a yes. lot of things and yeah. you chase him and you pursue him and you want it for him so much that he's like, would you look at that? It just worked out. Even he's taking for granted the massive efforts you're putting in so that it can feel just fine for him. Mm. Um, and, you know, he is at an age because, you know, if he's putting in college, uh, your, your husband's saying he shouldn't go away to college. Like if he's looking at moving away, first of all, he's going to need your financial support and others have to yeah. do that. But, you know, if he's looking at doing that, you're not going to be there day in, day out making sure he's up and going to lectures and handing in coursework and doing what, you, you know, he's supposed to be. Doing. You're not going to be there. And has he been equipped to live independently? You know, mm. and a lot of that is hard as it is, but allowing our children to make mistakes so that they can extract the learning from it. Because if you don't allow them make mistakes and to fail and to miss the application deadline, and you know what a consequence of missing the application deadline is, you don't get to study away. You have to look at other options. You have to look at other applications or you miss the application deadline. Now you need to, what are you going to do for the year while you wait to reapply? Mm. You know, and I know it, they all need nudges and structure and support and encouragement, but they doing it for them is quite different to that. So stop yeah. trying to rescue him from himself and allow him to see if this kind of, you know, just relax, see what happens. Let's see how that actually plays out when mom isn't there hovering and jumping in to fix and rescue. And you say, you know, the worst thing that will happen is he won't get into college. And a big part of me wants to challenge that and go, I mean, is that really the worst thing that could happen? Yeah. Because what you're saying is he won't get into college this time. He mm. College doesn't have to be for everyone. There are lots of options of what to do after school and beyond school and various different routes to studying. And some people aren't ready after school to do that and they may need to come back at it a number of years later. It's what is his other plan? That's the bit that I'm going, well, if he doesn't go to college, what will it be? And opening that up for him. I do think, though, you, you're asking about how to motivate him. Really, when we think of motivation, there are two motivational systems. One is that we are motivated by, you know, reward. And one is we're motivated by punishment or fear of punishment. And mm. we go, well, I don't want to fail, so I better do this. And the other is I really want to achieve this and move away and be able to live my own life. That's my motivation. I'm not sure what his is, but I do know he's capable of motivation because he's actually doing really well at stuff that he enjoys. Yeah. So and we all need to enjoy what we're doing. Otherwise, it's just about endurance, not enjoyment. So, you know, how, how you're going to spark his desire is maybe instead of saying you're not doing this and you're not doing that is to say to him, do you know what? Describe a day in your life 10 years from now. 
start to finish from waking up in the morning to going to bed again that night, a full day in your life 10 years from now. Where will you be? Who are you with? What are you doing? And let's see where he visualizes his life. Yes. Of his own. And if he says, I am a professional YouTuber driving sports cars, living grand, let that. It's not for you to go. That's not realistic. And look at it. That's realistic for some people. So just see what is he imagining. Go, OK, so how are you going to get there? What do you need to do to set that up and make that happen? You know, because whatever you do requires work. I think you could do a little bit of that. But hold in mind that emotional connection is the greatest motivational force. Mm. even beyond anything else. And I just want to come back to that piece that I think that's where your focus needs to shift. Stop trying to correct him and focus on connecting with him. Yeah, really. I mean, I and I completely understand mm. that urge. You want to save them oh, from themselves 100%. kind of thing, you know. The, and I mean, um, it's very hard when you can see, look, he's bright and he's got all this potential and I know he can do it and I know he can do it. But does he want to do it? Because mm. you're wanting it for him just isn't enough. Interesting though, though, like it, it, what's important to him, uh, his team is weightlifting, learning mm-hmm. to drive. His team, I imagine these are young men who are the same age as him, who mm-hmm. uh, perhaps haven't missed their deadline and he won't have a team in six months time. They'll already, most of those will be gone. Yeah. And I think though the fact that he can play on a team or whatever team it is that he can interact, you know, he has good communication skills if that's going well for him. He can work collaboratively. He can turn up. He can be consistent. He can be reliable. The life skills that he is apparently falling short on elsewhere, he is able to deliver where Mm, he's motivated. So some of this is maybe if you take a step back and just let him work it out and let him, he will do it. But maybe you're too much in it for him. And he's like, I don't want it as much as you do. So why don't you fill out the forms? Yeah. God. The poor mother. It's very <laughs> really, stressful. Yeah, and this and she, time of year, you are yeah. not alone with that. Like there's yeah. parents up and down the country going, absolutely, how do I motivate mine to study? And the thing is, you can make it possible. You can make it appealing. You can make it inviting, but they still have to do it. Mm. This is a controversial one, I think, maybe. Uh, my son is turning seven, having a few friends over for a birthday party. I'm thinking of putting no presents on the invitation because my three kids have more than enough already. I don't want the other parents to waste their money and buying something when our house is already exploding with toys. My husband feels putting that down is a step too far. But I think if I explain it to my son, he will be accepting of it. Question mark. I mean, he's turning seven, so he all he's going to hear is no presents. Yeah. Um, so again, it's about how you present that, because absolutely you can put on an invitation. Your presence with a C is what we're looking for, not your presence with a T. Don't no presents are required or necessary. If mm. somebody chooses to buy one and bring it, then, you know, you Accept that with all the good social graces that gift receiving comes with. Um, But I do think that, you know, and I hear more and more of parents doing this actually, Sean, you know, and saying maybe putting a limit or agreeing, look, you know, this is a party for the kids to enjoy being together. There's no need to bring a gift if you really want to. Please don't, uh, you know, go past a five euro Mm. book voucher or whatever it might be. And then they can save up the vouchers to get something they want later on. You know, I think you can put a limit on it and say we're asking for no presents. You can do that. Explaining to your child. I think other parents will get that invitation go fair enough. I don't think you need to explain or sell that to other parents. Yeah, I think they'll understand it. But at the same time, the the, the kind of an odd, I can see an odd social dynamic where 
Well, I don't want to be the one not to give a present. And you be- want to know, is she serious about that? Yeah. Or is, that really, yeah. is that just politeness? So be clear about it and say, mm. you know, we don't. But if you feel so inclined, you know, we'll have a little collection box for two euros each and we're going to donate it to X charity or animal shelter or whatever it is. And the children can still feel that they're doing because sometimes it's yeah. the child yeah. can go to a party and not bring a gift. So you can do all of that. It's about how you present it. But then saying it to your son, and I think it's tough having the kind of January birthday because you're, you know, carrying over from Christmas and everybody maybe is a little gift fatigued, but that's your birthday every year. So you're not saying you will get no presents at all. You know, family will get you a present, but we're having the party is just about playing together and we're not, we're asking people not to bring gifts. That's where I think, you know, having a little one or two euro collection box for local charity and your child gets to bring that money and donate it and feel very empowered and important. That can be a really nice way of doing it. I don't think there's a right or wrong way to do birthday parties. I really do think it's about what's going to work for you. But don't be vague about it. That's what I think that's what makes people uncomfortable. I think if you're very clear about it, then everyone's going fair enough. I get it. And it's just, you know, you're always kind of at these kind of events, the amount of plastic crap. I the know. kids are given that they play with for five minutes and then oh, I'll move I, on to the that's next That's it. Thing. And I think there are so many parents going absolutely, the house is busting with stuff. I do think there's something nice about giving them a little, a small, you know, monetary amount voucher mm. and they can stockpile them up yeah. to buy one thing mm. that yeah. they want. One, you know, whatever it might be. I think that's also a way of curtailing this. If you're saying, look, I don't want to say nothing at all, but I don't want loads of stuff in the house. Yeah. Uh, Blaze says, uh, when, when my kids had birthday parties, I put a note on the invite, excuse me, on the invite saying no presents costing more than five euro. Yeah. Uh, Cot says there's no way I would get away with telling my kids no birthday presents they'd never talk to me again that is the difficulty oh, uh, I how mean, she's going to sell this to the seven year five you and say that's a great idea yes. but you know at the same time you're saying look because we have so many things and again you want to emphasise you are getting presents from family yes you know not because no present sounds like very fatalistic. You know, yes, you are yes. getting presents, <laughs> but your friends won't be bringing them. Here's what we're going to do instead. Yes, just dazzle them with the present Redirection. that you, uh, uh, that, uh, uh, you get them. And uh, finally, uh, John says, uh, Shakespeare wrote that man is a giddy thing in Much Ado About Nothing. And yes, I remember it from the movie, not the play. You oh, still so, remember it, John. I was so impressed with the junior sort or whatever it was, recall on that line. <laughs> yeah, well done. Joanna, thanks a million as ever. Joanna Thank Fortune, you. there you are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. We're going to take a break. After that, do you have any valuable coins? Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again.